0: everyone, my name is Pastor Maya Rodriguez. I want to welcome you to my weekly podcast. It is a true privilege to be able to share the good news of God's Word with you. Enjoy. Good morning, good morning Grace City. Good morning to our Grace City online church. Yes, we love you. And you know what's so amazing is that that tithing message, I think it wasn't just a tithing message, it actually goes so well with what we are going to be talking about today, about um, having hope for your home, and the, the topic for today is creating a healthy home culture. So in all actuality, that tithing message just goes hand in hand in the example of how we begin to create a healthy home culture. How many know that there is hope for your home? (laughs) Well, some say amen. Some of y'all like, oh, I came here and I don't know if there's actually hope for my home. Last week, we touched on the concept that a broken society is actually the fruit of a broken home. And I, I really do believe that. And we need to believe that because we're not trying to fix society first. We're actually focusing on home life and then society will be fixed. Amen. And it's important to realize that is if your home is unhealthy, if the culture within your home is unhealthy, then everything around each one of the branches, right, will be unhealthy. Your home, your your life is a reflection of your home. Usually when somebody is disheveled and is always, you know, in a bad mood and, and is always, you know, just out of order, usually if you visit their home, their home is actually also unorganized, disheveled. You know, there's a lot going on there. Many times when I speak to kids, to children, you see a lot of their outbursts or, or, when I'm, or when I'm talking to them, the way that they talk is mostly about their home. You know, their, their outlook on life is a reflection of what they get and what they hear at home. So in order to begin with this, I want to define home. Number one, home is where you are right now. That's home. Wherever you are. That could be living at home. How many are living at home? Not paying rent, mooching off the parents, yeah? Oh, so good. Mooch off for as long as you want, okay? Living at home. How about college students? Eating Top Ramen day and night, right? If you're living on campus, that usually is what we eat, what we used to eat. Top Ramen, pancakes in the morning, Top Ramen for lunch and dinner, right? How about how many single, single people? single and ready to mingle any of you any of you okay well we're gonna do a giveaway next sunday come okay how about married with tons of kids oh how about with you have tons of little kids still running around in your house oh we pray for you right megan i always pray for her I do. She's always so cute, my Megan girl, but yeah, I'm like how does she do it? Because it's tough. I've been there. I've done that. And it's like you you empathize with them, right? How many empty nesters? All the kids moved out. Woo, right? Okay. How about newly married? Right? A year, 2 years, is that still considered newly married? My daughter's still in her honeymoon stage. Good job, Danny. How about newly divorced? Woo! Right? Some of y'all like, yeah, celebrating, right? Some of you wanting to get married, some of you wanting to get divorced. Okay. That's home. That's your home. We all have different, right, dimensions or, or aspects in our home. That is home. But no matter what stage in life you find yourself in, sooner or later, everyone, we all look at that and say, Is there hope? Is there hope? It could be in marriage. It could be with kids, you know, in, in when you're planning a wedding. It could be when you're just barely, you know, getting pregnant. There, is there hope? Because we feel overwhelmed. We feel like things are, you know, we're, we're, maybe you're, you graduated high school, and you're like, now what do I do? I thought I had it all figured out, and I, I've done this, I've done that, but it just seems like things are not, you know, falling into place, like, and, and you ask yourself, is there hope? Ask your neighbor, is there hope? Is there hope for my situation? Right? Don't we look at our situations and, and, and sometimes doubt if there is a way out of this, if we're ever going to see not, you know, walk through that light at the end of the tunnel and not in the bad light. And not, I mean, it's a good light, right? But one day, not that light. But the light at the end of a tunnel being like, am I going to get out of the situations? Will things ever change? Maybe everything's super good and you're like, no, like, I've never felt like that, Pastor. Like, everything's fine and dandy. Well, let me tell you, sooner or later, you will ask yourself, is there hope for my marriage? You know, we all come to a time, all married people, or they're liars if they don't don't admit to this, we all look at something and and think there is no hope. Parents with teenagers. I think this is, like, a really good example. I always use this because there's a time where I looked at my girls, and I'm like, did aliens abduct my daughter's bodies? Like, were they zoomed up, you know, into a spaceship? And I started to actually, no, just kidding. I didn't investigate. But I'm like, what is going on? And I'm sure they felt that way with me. Like, where is that mom? Where is that love for mom? Everything she says just rubs me the wrong way. Everything, we can't have a conversation, right? Because there's stages. It just It's the same home. We're the same people. But yet we're going through a stage where we feel like there is no hope. But let me tell you that our hope is found in Jesus. And he is hope. He is the hope. We serve a God of hope. So if you're looking at a situation and you're thinking, that's it, I'm divorced. So there is no hope for another opportunity. Or, you know what? No, this is just far too gone. Like either, no, let me tell you, when you put it, when you're under the umbrella of God, right? When you, when you ask God, Lord, you take control of this, then I want to assure you that God will and there will be hope for that home because our god is works the impossible for possible and situations sometimes feel impossible when it comes to family i think we had the perfect example this last week with thanksgiving you know around that table thanksgiving is kind of the holiday or it is the, not kind of it is a holiday where All of my sisters come together, and so all of my, like, all the cousins are together, and all the grandkids are together. Like, we're all together. Christmas, we don't get to do that. Since we're all women, most of them go to their other, you know, to other family homes or whatever. So, Thanksgivings are like Thanksgiving Christmas. But as you sit around the table and you listen to conversations, you start to pick up on the problems that people are having, that family members that you love. And when we were singing the song of I Speak Jesus— Like, your heart needs to break for that. Maybe you speak Jesus over yourself, because you're the crazy one, right? But sometimes you're like, you know what? I speak Jesus over that. Like, I've been there, and I see, you know, that they're overwhelmed right now. But God places it in your heart. Like, I'm going to start interceding for my cousin's marriage. Or I'm going to start praying and blessing, you know, my grandma and grandfather. Or I'm going to, like... Ask God, but there is hope when you extend your hand, when you extend your faith, and we believe that Jesus has a way for that. Can I get an amen? So, yes, let's give God the glory. So, home is where you're at right now, but home is also a reflection of where you've been. Your past experiences definitely, definitely are reflected in your home today. They affect you, who you are today. Home is what defines the way that today you think, the way that you react, what you believe in. It actually even brings out like your political opinion, your attitude regarding like the police, right? Your attitude against, I didn't know there was a rift between the police department and the fire department. I just love them both. You know, in my home, I'm just like, they're, I'm still that old school. Like, I'm like, these are your heroes. Like, these are the ones that come and save you. You know, I, I never taught my girls, like, be afraid of the police. I said, no, in, or the fire department. No, they come to save, they risk their lives for us. But a lot of other homes, maybe you didn't have the same type of upbringing. So you see someone and you, you have this standoff, you know, attitude towards them. That's all a learned behavior. That's because you created that atmosphere, right? We need to to understand that our home today is a reflection of what we grew up in. How about our worth ethic, our punctuality? You know, does 7 p.m. mean 7 p.m. or is 7 p.m. ish? It depends on what home you grew up in. And many times a 7 p.m.er marries a 7 p.m. Ish. Oh, there's where the problems start, right? Punctuality. How about your view on alcohol, on drugs, on food, even? You know, my pantry has always been, Mario and I actually spoke about this and we're like, we're gonna, first, I'm like a cereal addict. My name is Maya Rodriguez and I'm a cereal addict. Yes, Coca Puffs at night is just like my, with cold milk. Okay. So I have like 20 different cereals. I just need variety. Like I'm not just like faithful to one. I just need variety. Sometimes I mix three or four in the same bowl because I can't decide how many crazies, like just my daughter. Oh, okay. Oh, good. See, I'm understanding. I'm understanding. Okay. So um, our pantry was always stocked up with all kinds of food because our thinking was if my daughters always have access to it, then they won't ever just like go and binge off of other people's or or they won't feel deprived of stuff. So they never arrive at the home and you see like the kids without criticizing any of your kids, but it happens, right? They go somewhere and they're just like, oh my God, and they're like there and they can't stop themselves because they never have it at home. So your key, I'll I'll touch on that in a little bit, but Our thing was, I'm going to provide it for them, and then they won't go off the deep end and just binge on stuff, okay? So, that is all a reflection. How you grew up is a reflection. You're like, no, pastor, that's where you're wrong. I don't agree with you. I am nothing like my parents. I made sure that my home was nothing like, similar to where I grew up. And I'm going to tell you, you're still affected by it. Because your decision to be nothing like your parents means you're affected totally by that. See what I'm saying? You, you're you're totally affected in the way that you want to be nothing like them. So you're still affected. This is why I titled this second chapter creating a healthy home culture. Because you're creating a culture even if you don't know you are. We are all creating culture. Culture can be defined as the ways of life, including your beliefs, the arts, institutions, right? Passed down from generation to generation. It includes codes, manners, dress, language, religion, rituals. It includes so many things that you're not even aware of, but that's just the way it was done at your home. So now you've passed that down to your kids. You don't know why, but it just is the way it is. Okay, for example, I'm the type that we ice cream during the winter. We actually eat more ice cream in the winter than we do in the summer. How many are out, out there? Okay, that's a culture, and because you do that and you're like, ah, oh, it's winter, it's cold, but who wants ice cream? You know? And then you're like, yeah. And then the, the song, ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. Yep, I'm one of those moms, okay? And then we'd go and we'd eat the ice cream. That's a culture. Even if I'm not aware of it, I'm creating a culture. And it could be positive and it could be negative. Society. Right? and uh, Why isn't society normal for a man or, or okay for a man to cook outside, but usually they don't cook inside? But if it's outside, they cook all of it. Right? They're going to barbecue. Well, they think because we got to take everything out. Okay? But, but it's something with culture. Say culture. Culture. So family has a culture. And you're like, oh, man, what is my family culture? If you don't know... That's a problem, okay? Things we just believe they're just going to be done, they're just going to be okay because we're just living together and we're just a family is so wrong, so wrong. We have to be precise. Like, we have to be intentional. What is right and what is wrong? Are boys allowed upstairs? Are girls allowed in the boys' bedroom? Those are things you need to talk about before you just yell at your child for doing something that they never knew it wasn't allowed. You have to teach those things. Teach them why. Talk to them about the reason behind. It's not just boys aren't allowed. Why? What is, what am I protecting you from? Right? How about traveling? How many travelers do we have out here? Some of you guys have the culture of traveling. So my girls love to travel because we love to travel. But when we started to travel, I noticed that when they were little, they would say, uh-uh, I don't like that. I don't like that. And I said, do you like traveling? Yes, I like traveling. Do you want to go here? Where do you want to go? We would have conversations. Oh, I want to go here. I want to go there. Well, they have different food. And when you travel, you don't, you don't tell people, I don't like that, when you haven't tried it. It, it, it could be offensive. So, you try something first. If you don't like it, then you just put it to the side. You don't say anything else, and then you try something else. This is the way I got my girls to eat almost everything. They've had alligator, they've had frog legs, they've had escargot. Like, there is not really anything. I mean, we love tongue tacos. Yes, cow tongue tacos. We love them. They're a delicacy for us. And it's like, you're, oh my God, so disgusting. Yeah. In Ecuador, they eat um, cui or cuy. Cuy? Okay. It's guinea pig. They eat guinea pigs. They actually roast them. So you're on the road, and in Mexico, usually you're on the road and you stop for some fruit or you stop for like a michelada because they do also sound micheladas on the side of the road. Never understood that, but okay. Um, and... You stop on the side of the road in Ecuador and they're literally barbecuing um, guinea pigs, little guinea pigs with the tail on and the little teeth like this. And they're just like, dim, 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 dim. I mean, none of us are like, hey, you guys, what are you eating after church? You want to go to the pet store and pick up a few guinea pigs and roast them? Right. But why do we assume we don't like it? Because it's not part of our culture okay so culture actually affects every part of our life okay if your faith at home is not the same as your faith at church then what good is it because if culture is so important culture is molding us then although you come to church You dress for church, you know, you say the amens, but if your faith at home is not reflecting your faith at church, then the culture you're creating for your children is one of hypocrisy. Take note, take note, hypocrisy. I never bought my daughter's clothes that they couldn't wear to church and to wherever. Obviously bikinis are for are for poolside. You know, right? We all understand that. But I never wanted to create a culture where my daughters thought these are my clothes for church and these are my clothes for going out or doing this no. Cuz when you do that, you're teaching them hypocrisy. We're modeling hypocrisy. When we're in a problem and we're lying, or we're doing this, and we're doing that, and we're not actually living out our faith, right? So our kids grow up also doing the same thing. They're not honest about things, because for them, being a Christian is just going to church on Sunday, and then living with the devil the other six days of the week. So if you're not intentional, even if you come to church, Your kids can have the the wrong perspective, the wrong culture. What is the culture that you're creating at home? Home. If you're not intentional about culture, society will define culture for your kids. Society will define culture for your marriage. I hear so many women say nowadays, men too, oh no, I do not want to get married. Oh, no, I do not want to have kids. Oh, no, we just want to, like, live together and see if it works out. Why? Because society is defining their culture. Even though when you open the Bible, it doesn't say it that way. But since for them, Christianity is only attending church on Sunday, then they open themselves up to be molded by the culture taught by society. Who is molding your life? Who is telling you what is right and what is wrong? Who is molding the life of your children? Who is depositing more into their hearts? Who is straightening out their perspective, right? Who is telling them why you don't put your finger in the light socket? I have so many um, friends that, oh my gosh. When I have conversations with them, I pray for them and I literally tell them, I think you're very wrong in your decision you're making. When they say, Oh no, like I'm not gonna talk to my kids about sex. Oh no, I'm not gonna talk from the time that they were little, I was like, You're such a beautiful woman of God. You're a little girl, you were created, look at you. Oh my gosh, you're a princess. You were made, you know, to this. I was defining, defining all the time. Oh, I love your legs. They're so beautiful. Look, look. I always try to find something gorgeous about them, not just physically, you know, in their temperament, like their attitude, anything. Oh, when they're strong-willed, oh, I love that. You're going to be strong-willed for God. Oh, I, you sing, oh, you're going to glorify God with your voice. Always doing that, defining them. Why? Because if you leave that space open, then society will come and define it for them. Number one, this is abdication. And I'm going to do it in like three minutes. Here we go. Ready? One abdication abdication how many watch the series today is the day of the series the crown okay king the king of england at the time in 1936 king philip i think he, king edward i'm sorry edward decides to abdicate okay he, this is abdication he gives up the crown because he wants to marry a woman that had already been married twice Since as king, you are the head of the church, the church doesn't allow that. So he gave up his responsibility. With giving up the crown, he actually gave up the right for any of his children or future grandchildren to ever be able to be king of England. He gave it up. How many of us are abdicating our responsibility of parents, of grandparents, of aunties, of uncles in the lives of our children by giving up the responsibility to Grace Kids, to GC Youth, to the school district, to their friends, to the neighbor? We're abdicating. We're giving up our crown. We're taking it off because we're too busy. We want to do what we want to do. And so we don't take the responsibility that we should have in order to establish what is right and what is wrong. When God took the people of, of Israel out of slavery and into the wilderness, he didn't just leave them on their own. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He always tried. He knew there was going to be, that they needed a foundation. Do you have Ten Commandments in your home? Meaning like not on your wall? Do you have the norms? What, what family, what does, what do the Rodriguez's believe? We are people that serve God. We are people that are faithful to the church. We love the church. We are people that love people. Our home is for people. It's for, to welcome people. We're never closed off in our home. We want, if we have, we give. Like, what we have, we give. What we have, we give it. We, we know we will get more at the end. It, this is just part of our culture. But we are very, you know, we do, don't do everything right. We do not do everything right. I'm not even trying to pretend. But we have done a lot of things correctly because of the grace of God. Because we were taught these things. You need to not abdicate your responsibility to another institution Ephesians 5.15 says so be careful how you live please don't live like fools but like those who are wise be intentional parents please, 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 please be intentional of affirming your child as a woman your child as a man don't tell them that they're less than don't let society come in and brainwash them don't let whatever society thinks become their, you know, what they believe. Number two, a lot of people do isolation. So number one's abdication. Isolation is like, no, we're not of this world. So we're not going to go to the movies. We're not going to listen to secular music. We're not going to go to public school. We're not going to have non-Christian friends. You know, we're not going to. So then you shelter your kids so much. Your pantry only has healthy food. So your kids run to the neighbor's house. To have the cocoa puffs with the sugar. They come to my house and they eat up all my pantry. Why? Because you're eliminating all of it from your home thinking they're not going to have it. No, they're just not going to do it in front of you. But they're going to do it. So, oh, I'm going to isolate them so I'm not going to talk to them about sex. I'm sorry I'm getting back to this, but I see this going on and on and on. I'm not going to talk to them about that. They're too small. Do you know that studies have shown, you could Google it, Google it. Studies have shown that children nowadays, it's rare that a child by the age of eight hasn't seen pornography. And the effect that it's having on a child's mind is devastating. So if you haven't spoken to your child, you're just isolating them, but they're watching it on the, where you're asleep, because you don't take their phone like you should and put it in your room to charge. No, you're thinking, you're giving them a gun and you're telling them, don't shoot yourself. They're shooting themselves, let me just tell you. Because you shot yourself. And you didn't have a phone. And you still shot yourself. Okay? You find ways. We have to not isolate pretending we're in a bubble. And the way that we should do it is how? Number three, transformation with that I want to end. Transformation. But it's not in your power. See, transformation is in God's power. It's him coming in the inside. See, the Pharisees were all like, they were all like, oh my gosh, look at your disciples. They don't wash their hands before they eat. They're going to be unclean. Jesus, why don't you tell them to wash their hands before they eat? They're going to be unclean. And then Jesus looks at them and he goes, are you serious? you really think unwashed hands is what makes a person unclean? It's not what goes in you. It, it's what comes out of you. The uncleanliness is already inside. See, when, when Jesus came and he taught, see, the Pharisees thought, oh, if there's a woman that you lust over, cover her up. That's why in Qatar and all those places, they have the woman covered up. You only see their eyes. Because they think the solution for lust is cover up the woman. But the Bible teaches if your eye, right, has you sinning, take out your eye. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It doesn't say cover up the woman. It doesn't say, you know, keep the cocoa puffs out of your house. It says work with the inside. Let me work with the inside. See, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that can come inside of you and can break generational curses, even if you've already thought, I've messed up too bad already. Like, I'm, no, let me tell you, there is hope for your home. There is hope for your situation. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Can you stand to your feet? Genesis 12, 2-3 says, I will make you into a great nation. I will make you. I will transform you. I will work with the inside to the outside. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you and he will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all of the families of earth will be blessed through you. That is true culture of heaven in our lives when we say, Lord, change me. Lord, transform me. Lord, I don't want to see and think these people need to be changed. Oh, my gosh, if they would just outlaw abortion everywhere. If every state would just, that's not the issue. See, that's not the issue. The issue is changing the hearts of the women who feel that it's okay, who are scared, who weren't taught that they're worth more than just their body right who who it's working with them it's bringing identity it's it's giving them you know the affirmation that they need that there is another t- way to do things it's not by judgment It's by, Lord, transform us. We don't need more rules. We don't need more laws. We don't need, you know, more, oh, let's go to the Supreme Court. No, let's go to the Supreme God. Lord, change us. Change our country. Change the hearts of the family home. But it starts with you. It starts with each and every one of you. Don't complain about what you allow. Don't complain about what you're allowing in your home. You're allowing them To keep their bedroom, you know, doors closed all the time. Not having conversations with you. Because how many times did you close your door because you were too busy fighting? You didn't see that they were sad. A withdrawn child is a symptom, is the fruit of a withdrawn family. It's not their fault. There's hope for your home. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your family, friends, frenemies. Lord knows we all need more Jesus. Until next week.